from the CD studios of Univest at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. It is time for another French fried episode of Chemical Free Horticultural Hijinks. You bet your garden. You get spuds of all sizes when you grow your own potatoes. I'm Mike McGrath, and on today's show, we'll discuss which ones to eat right away, which ones to store for the winter, and how to accomplish that storage successfully. Plus, a healthy harvest of your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and discreetly demure demarcations. So stay right where you are, cats and kittens, because it's all coming up faster than you wondering if you really have to put butter on a Yukon Gold right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host. Mike McGrath, coming up later in the show, um, I imagine a lot of you have recently harvested your potatoes. Uh, We're going to talk about what you should do with those newly harvested potatoes. And of course, as is my way and has been for decades, I'm going to urge you to grow your own next season because there's nothing like it in the meantime. Your fabulous phone calls, 888-492-9444. Sharon, welcome back to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, thank you for having me back and taking my call. Yeah, well, sometimes I make a lot of poor decisions. So, <laughs> Well, uh, let's not add to that one, I guess. <laughs> let me explain uh, that Sharon is the wife of our sound engineer, Cheerful Charlie Sarah. And uh, she has been on the show a couple times. They bought a new home in, uh, in the area, and she's been working at landscaping it. And last week, Charlie told me something that turned my hair even whiter than it is now. So, Sharon, you yeah. had a bunch of trees installed. Correct. Correct. Um, Go ahead. How did you arrange for this? Okay, well, it was very neighbor-inspired because um, we lived kind of like down a hill from our neighbors. And, um, you know, not that they're they're wonderful people. It's just that we have no privacy. So I kind of did sort of maybe like a knee-jerk maybe, hindsight. And I, I went and picked out about four trees, like about seven feet tall, not like anything crazy. And um, the gentlemen that were installing and, and doing our patio will help me help me install them in the, you know, plant them in the backyard. They dug holes for me anyways, um, which was great. But, uh, yeah, I kind of, like, staggered them behind the far view, behind our gliders, so that eventually when they hopefully grow, that we'll have some privacy. Um, I'm just worried that, you know, hopefully I, I'm not creating a Jackson Pollock painting in my backyard, you know. <laughs> Of craziness, so um, I could. That, that's what I can tell you the the trees, and, I, and I, I do have some questions about the trees, and and you know maybe I made some mistakes already. Um, I don't know. 
Okay, so what kind of trees did you get? Okay, I got one eastern redbud. Okay. I got, let me tell you one. Okay, I got, a, I got a magnolia. Okay. I got a, like, a hybrid sort of crabapple. Okay. And I got, um, it's a ornamental plum okay. tree. Um, and some of them came with, like, the burlap around it and... You know, just some questions about whether to leave that on, keep it, not, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, Okay, well, first I, I of know. all, Sharon, I, I have to tell you that at least two of those trees are not going to provide any privacy. You know, the, okay. the crabapple, which is glorious for two weeks in spring and then looks dead the rest of the year, um, has small leaves. It loses its leaves. It's it's not an evergreen. It's not the kind of thing you plant for a screening tree. And dogwoods are very temperamental. They need to get sun in the morning and shade in the afternoon, oh. or they're not going to do well. And they look better than the um, ornamental apple tree in the off season, but that's not much of a contest. The red bud was nice. Four red buds would have been a good choice. I don't know why I just didn't do all one one type of tree. I just figured uh, I don't know why I did that. But uh, but my thing too is you know we we are just off of an easement, and it's a sewer easement, and so I I didn't want to get any I didn't want to have any trees that were invasive or I'd have a problem with later on. You know, um, so that's why I went more with these type of trees and not like. Like an evergreen or a... Okay, evergreens are not known um, to be damaging to sewer pipes. You're talking about maples and yeah. willows and other trees. And even in those cases, that's a misconception. The roots of the tree don't wrap around the pipe and squeeze it like root. Um, what happens is the shifting of the freeze-thaw cycle can create little cracks in the pipe, and then the roots of these trees are attracted to that water source. And yes, then they can enlarge the hole and get inside, and you have to call Roto-Rooter. But at, at any rate, um, Charlie told me that you planted them with the burlap intact. Uh, yeah. Okay, they gotta I be did. dug up. Mm. They gotta be okay. dug up. Um, People, uh, the only reason people do this is so they can move fast. You know, what yeah. people have lost the art of tree planting. Now it's like McDonald's. They're on an assembly line. They got a big auger. They drop whatever they have into the ground. They throw some dirt at it and they move on to the next one. So, okay. but well, this, is, this is a good time of year to rectify this. First okay. of all, because the roots won't have grown out because they're slowly being strangled inside that bag, which, uh. will, which will not decompose underground um, because it's not an aerobic situation. It's anaerobic. There's no air. So there's nothing to help the burlap decompose. And, of course, burlap is kind of designed not to decompose. Uh, so that the bags that, you know, the burlap bags they use for storage and burlap rope last a long time. 
which means that your roots are essentially in uh, a maximum security prison. But this is, this is a good time of year to pull them out of the ground. They'll come up very easily. Yeah. And what you want to do is cut away the burlap, remove any, um, any other materials. There may be plastic. There may be a metal cage. Yeah, the metal cage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, I've done this before, Sharon. Uh. Um, <laughs> remove all of it. It doesn't. If it doesn't happen in nature, it should not happen in your yard. Good point. So get rid of all of that. And then when you replant the trees, you want to plant them high, not low in the ground. If you drop the newly freed tree into the ground and it looks like a popsicle, you got to put more dirt in the hole until the roots are either level with the surface of the soil or even a little higher. Okay. I know it seems counterintuitive, but trees that are planted too deeply are the ones that blow over in storms. Oh my God. So, but this is again, a good time of year to do it. When you're finished and you're sure that the root flare is above ground, then, and don't add anything to the planting hole. Just fill it back up with the soil you removed. And then spread two inches of compost on the surface of the soil, beginning six inches from the trunk and going out as far as will look good in your landscape. No wood chips, no trash mulch. Okay, I'll make sure. And then I want you to take a hose and, you know, one morning after another, take it out let it just drip slowly at the base of each tree for six to eight hours to really hydrate that soil. And the next day, move it to the next one. And obviously, if it's freezing out, you skip a day. But make sure the trees stay watered even over the wintertime. And water... Wow. Yes. Well, uh, you know how you can hurt your spouse by rubbing your feet on the on the carpet and then touching them, right? <laughs> yes, well, that's, yes. that's the dry air of winter. It's just as dry outside. And if it's windy, the trees are having the moisture sucked out of them. Even though they're dormant, they're going to be replacing that moisture. Most trees are lost within the first year uh, due to inadequate watering or incorrect oh. watering. You don't, You can't go out there with a watering can and give each tree like a gallon and think you've done something good. Long and slow, hours, but very small amounts of water coming out during those hours. Wow. Obviously, if it rains, if it snows, you don't have to worry about it, but be especially prepared in the spring. If spring starts out dry, you really got to be on top of the watering. And okay. if you don't want to... I have a one question. If you don't... Done, wait a minute. I'm talking. I got the talking stick here. <laughs> Sorry. Um, if you don't want to bother with being out there all the time, very inexpensive to get a drip irrigation line. It's just a hose with little holes punched in it or that sweats. You set it up to a timer... And 
you know, just keep an eye on it. Don't let it run if it's raining or snowing. Um, but if you set that to run for like six hours once a week, you should be set. The first year is the most important. It's like an early childhood education. You get things done correctly the first year and things will be great. That's great. Um, you know what? How do you know what I'm going to say? Because I was going to ask you, how am I, what am I, I going to do with like dripping for an hour? And then, yeah, I didn't even think about those irrigation hoses. So that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, that's um, the so easy. thank you for that. That's the easy money. Just make sure that you drain them once we get into the real freezing time of winter. Will do. And one other question is, do I need to do anything in the winter to safeguard them at all? Like, like, I mean, we don't have any deer or nothing like that. I mean, I, don't, I mean, not enough to oh, do you any got damage deer. work. You got deer, honey. They just haven't come over for dinner yet. No, yeah, you don't, not yet. No, you don't have to do anything special. What you have to do is rectify the planting mistakes. Okay. Will all do. right. All yep. right. We got to go. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind all of you that the only thing you should not do with your fall leaves is burn them or leave them laying or lying on a lawn. It smothers the grass. But don't go deciding whether you're a collector, shredder, or insect habitat manager just yet because we'll be right back to discuss the proper way to store potatoes and take more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we are going to talk potatoes later today. I love growing potatoes. I love eating potatoes. Um, But one of the things that is kind of dicey is exactly how you should store them. And is it kosher to use those potatoes for seed potatoes? We're going to cover all that after more of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Lisette, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you, Lisette. I'm going to step out of our normal... uh, way of doing this and say uh, we're very happy you could carve out some time to speak with us. You're a special ed teacher in Muncie? A special education teaching assistant in Muncie, yes. And um, I guess right now is school time, so <laughs> we're going to like go ahead and make this work. Yes, we are. So Muncie, Muncie Indiana is in East Central Indiana, um, so about a mile, about an hour you know, north, east a bit of Indianapolis, which is smack dab in the middle of the state. And you're pushing it up towards the Great Lakes. We, yeah, I mean, yes, that's still, you know, a couple, you know, two, three hours away from where I live. But, yeah. 
but I read your email because we thought we weren't going to be able to speak with you. And I was going to make a question of the week. And um, you said you're originally from Georgia? That is correct. I'm originally from Georgia. I was born in Warner Robins, and my daddy, he was from Macon, and my mother was from Albany, which is more the southwest part of the state. And another one of these cities in the wrong state. Albany's in New York. You know. Right. But in Georgia, we say Albany. Oh, there you go. <laughs> ah. And this call is about your dad. Pretty much, yes. My father... Um, passed away um, this past August, and I received a gift card to one of our local greenhouses and um, in order to plant something in his memory and my mother's memory, too. My mother passed away a number of years ago, and I was hoping to bring a little bit of Georgia up here to Indiana, and I know that, like, they grow peach trees in Michigan, but, um, and I, but I was wondering if, like, the climate is here is okay. Like, I have many different questions. Like, Dwarf peach trees, is that better better than regular? Is that even possible to do here? If so, how do I go about doing it? You have single-handedly <laughs> picked the most treacherous tree that okay. I could envision. First of all, okay. to paraphrase Dorothy Gale, you're not in Georgia anymore, girl. No, sir. <laughs> um, no, sir. <laughs> peach trees and apple trees are some of the most difficult plants to cultivate east of the Rockies. And okay. you don't, you know, we've said this many times on the show. If you're planting something in memoriam, you don't want it to die right away. That's not going to make you feel better about things. Right. So I think you got to get Georgia off your mind and <laughs> you have to think about something that essentially is very easy to grow, not prone mm -hmm. to disease or pests, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and ideally is bulletproof. Now, okay. wh what did your parents like besides peaches? <laughs> well, I said pecans, fig trees. We had those. We had, um, azaleas. I have two of those already. Um, those kind of things. <laughs> That's well, the best I can think of as far as the shrubs and the trees. Yeah, except for the azaleas, you're you're really uh, you're really batting low. Let's put it that way. Okay, right. right. Yeah. Well, what would you suggest as something that's you know really you know beautiful and would grow well here? That's something that would you know be appropriate for this. When we're talking about plants that are in memoriam. I always mm -hmm. think of something that blooms in the spring. Okay. Because that is the reminder of eternal life. Correct. After the winter. And you, you, you got a pretty good winter where you are. So, yes, 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 we do. So my first thought was a flowering cherry tree. Okay. Like they have um, along the Potomac in Washington, D.C. Right, Washington, D.C. Oh, wow, okay. They're long-lived they're easy to care for. They put mm -hmm. on a remarkable display in the they spring. Do. And then unlike flowering apple trees, they don't turn ugly. Um, mm -hmm. they, they're not exactly a four season tree, but you won't mind looking at it. Understood. So. Okay. 
Are they coming? Do they come in like dwarf varieties as well? Yeah. I, was, I didn't want something too huge. Flowering cherries, to the best of my knowledge, are either naturally dwarf in size mm -hmm. or the ones most available have been dwarfed. Because if you go down to the Potomac, I mean, they top out at like eight feet tall. Okay. Okay. And did you have any instructions for like exactly how to plant it or what to, you know, plant it with? Or you know, should I get that from the nursery? Oh, God, no. Um, <laughs> years and years ago, I would tell people to invest in professional planting and have the nursery install it. But what I've been seeing lately is not professional planting. It's smash and grab. Uh, they don't prepare oh, okay. the tree. They drop it into the ground. They cover it with the wrong kind of mulch, and then they move on. I've seen guys with giant augers dropping trees that are still inside their wrappings into the ground, oh. shoveling soil back in and then moving on and doing an entire hillside in two hours. Wow. Because, you know, time is money and it's all about the Benjamins, baby. <laughs> I so, guess you're right. But, but for me, in this case, it's not. So I want to take my time and do it right. <laughs> One of the big advantages you have now is nurseries um, almost always have leftover stock. Mm -hmm. So, and you have a gift certificate for a specific nursery. So yes. if you like the idea of a flowering cherry, um, mm -hmm. see what they have available. It will be heavily discounted because they don't want to overwinter it. And oh, okay. I was not, I was expecting to actually plant in the spring, but you're saying I could plant it now. I did not know yes, that. Yes. Uh, actually, the survival rate for uh, trees and shrubs planted in the fall is much better than in the spring. Oh, okay. Good especially to know. lately, spring turns to a really hot summer very quickly, and that mm -hmm. stresses the tree. Whereby, if you okay. if you plant the tree quote now. It'll have time to establish a root system. It'll go naturally dormant. It will wake okay. It will wake up naturally. Mm -hmm. And again, if we're talking about a spring blooming tree, you're really going to screw it up by planting it when it's in bud or in oh, flower. I, I guess you're right. I hadn't thought, thought that far ahead. Yep, you are, you are correct. So <laughs> um, you can get many more details at the website if you look on our archive okay. of frequently asked questions, go to yes, tree sir. planting, okay. but the basics, and you can do this, you mm -hmm. dig a hole that's wide, but not mm -hmm. deep. You, okay. you want the root flare, the very top of the root system to be at ground level or slightly above ground level. If you, okay. if when you're trying to figure it out, you drop the tree into the hole and it's a popsicle, fill the hole back up with more soil. Gotcha. It's counterintuitive, but planting high makes for a much happier tree. Okay. Remove all wrappings, everything, no matter what anybody else tells you. Burlap okay. does not disintegrate underground because now okay. it's in an anaerobic system. It's just going right. to it's just going to strangle the roots of the tree. So correct because there's no oxygen getting down there. Yeah, right. Gotcha. And the roots need oxygen, 
So you want to remove any kind of metal cage, cut off the um, cut off the burlap, position the mm -hmm. tree high, um, fill the hole back up with the soil you removed. Okay. Um, nothing else. And then right. no wood mulch. What you, okay. what you want is an inch or two of high-quality compost beginning about mm -hmm. six inches from the trunk and going out into a nice circle. Then, about six inches, you said? Okay. Six inches from the trunk, but go out a couple of feet. Gotcha. Because that's where the but roots... don't let the mulch actually touch the trunk. You don't want the mulch to touch the trunk. Right? Never let mulch touch any plant. Right. Mulch okay. Is, gotcha. <laughs> mulch is to keep the roots from cooking and to prevent weed gotcha. growth. There are no roots directly under the trunk. The roots are spread out as far as the canopy will be when it's full grown. Exactly. Right. That's Understood. that's okay. where they're going to benefit. And the compost is the only feeding you'll need. Then, okay. then take a hose and let it drip slowly um, okay. for several hours, six to eight hours the first time. And then okay. e even though we'll be going into winter, if we uh -huh. get a week without rain, water the tree. The fur, and then especially if we get into the spring and the weather warms up and we don't get rain, do the same mm -hmm. thing. Long, slow watering for hours okay. once gotcha. a week. The first year is the most important okay. year. Okay. Now, I Should I move the hose around to, like, different parts, you sure. know, where I'm watering it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. And now I, I also have to do my bailout. If okay, you, if you don't think you're going to have the time to simply pay attention, I urge people to think about doing some sort of statuary or ornamentation that would have a memory to them of the okay. deceased. For instance, okay. this isn't the way it worked. But I was at my local garden center a couple of years ago, and they had this beautiful archway, metal archway between departments. Oh, it, yeah. It, it was tall, and it had um, a dragonflies and cattails on the outside, and it was just beautiful. And I bought it. It, it wasn't theoretically for sale i said boy i wish it was and they said well that's why we originally bought it <laughs> and so they sold it to me and that's the entrance to my garden now oh that's a beautiful idea and it works fabulously it's not going to die right <laughs> um and think of you passing back into that life in georgia Every time you go through the archway, think of that as being <laughs> the tunnel to yeah. those memories. That's, yeah, that's a beautiful idea. And then I could even, like, maybe find some clematis to go up and around it or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. But the arch would be the thing. Right. Okay. Well, that sounds just like a fantastic idea. I, my, my daddy and my mother were the ones that got me into the love of gardening. and um, 
they they're the, and I'm passing that on to my daughters as well. And it's just something that we just absolutely love to do. And I'm, I wanted to remember him this way <laughs> because he was always, you know, when we were kids, we didn't want to do it, you know, go out and weed the garden. I don't want to. <laughs> but, but then as we grow up, we grew up, we really began to appreciate, and, you know, what a beautiful thing it is to have a garden. And so. something like this would have four season interest. It wouldn't be just a a springtime burst that you're praying that it doesn't rain so you see the flowers longer. Right, right, right. So, you know, those are my two big pieces of advice. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Um, I did have one more just really quick question. Do you ever deal with people that put um, that black plastic on their garden? Have you ever Uh, had some people use that plastic? Yeah, it's unnecessary. We don't need any more plastic in the world. The and world. it shreds. Okay. It shreds. It gets mixed into the soil. Oh, and it deteriorates. Yeah. And, yeah. and okay. it creates mold underneath. Okay. Soil is supposed well, to breathe. Yeah, that makes sense. So, okay, because I'm, I'm up for my neighbor. So, all right. Well, I appreciate all your help and thank you so much. And we, um, I really appreciate your show. And you taking the time to speak with me about this and helping me to remember my father. It's been a real pleasure, and thank you for the work you do. It's very important. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, and you take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind all of yous out there to hide the pruners as this is the worst time of year to prune any plants. Pruning stimulates new growth, and that new growth could and will freeze solid during the next spell of really cold weather. Wait until the dead of winter or early spring to prune if you feel you must, and wait until the flowers have faded on spring bloomers like rhododendrons and forsythia. Or just don't prune. That way you can't screw up. But don't go yelling, I'm bored and I don't care that I could be pruning my plants to death just yet. Because we'll be right back to discuss proper potato preservation. I'm Mike McGrath and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at the Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA.
This is 91.3 FM, WLVR Bethlehem, WLVR.org. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am still your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens, in the question of the week, which is coming up. We're going to discuss potatoes, how to grow them, how to store them, and whether it is ethical to use your own stored potatoes as seed potatoes in the spring. It's a complicated answer, and we'll complicatedly answer it after more of your fabulous, fabulous, after more of your phone calls. At 888-492-9444, Karen, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hey, Mike, how you doing? I am just ducky. Thank you so much for asking. <laughs> ducky quacking away here. <laughs> how are you? I'm fabulous. And where is Karen fabulous? Cincinnati, Ohio. All right, very good. What can we do you for? Well, last year I had two trees taken down, and the tree guy said they were Atlantis trees. I thought it was kind of interesting, so when they took them down, I looked them up and um, found out that that you should never just take them down. This year when the spring came, I had thousands of seedlings come up, uh, which they weren't seedlings, and I have thousands of them. I cannot get rid of them. Um, there was nothing online as to, to how to deal with this underground submarine system of, of roots. And so I thought maybe I'll have to have a bunch grow up until a time which the energy, I guess, goes down into the system and kill them. I have no idea what to do. How, how can I get rid of okay, them? Okay, so that, my front yard. we're talking <laughs> the tree of heaven, right, Alianthus? Yes, the Al- Alanthus tree, yeah, not Atlantis tree. <laughs> and no, because then it would be <laughs> underwater and it wouldn't be a problem. Now this yeah, it wouldn't be a problem. This is the host tree of one of our newest invasives. Yes, the, the lantern, which fly. is another problem. Did yes, which should be coming our way. So I have now about twenty growing. They're a couple feet tall, hoping that I can maybe kill them going, you know, putting chemicals down into the ground next year. But no, 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 you don't. You don't want to start using systemics. Uh, you kill soil life, you kill uh, pollinators and other creatures. No. The easiest, and there's no need for chemicals ever. The easiest <laughs> thing to do. What um, uh, What do you wish what to? What have I tried? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm not hearing confessions, lady. Uh, <laughs> and I have a feeling you'd get hit with a lot of Hail Marys. So... Um, what do you wish to grow there? Uh, well, trees. I, I can't grow anything apparently anywhere near these roots because they're poisonous. But no. I have put in a no. couple of uh, replacement no. trees on the hillside. No, no. Uh, they are nuisance trees, uh, but they're not allopathic. Uh, they don't affect the growth of other plants. What um, probably is happening is you have a giant plug of the root system underground and that prevents uh planting anything else there because there's already something there um right so but you're not in any rush you don't need this for a vegetable garden or anything oh no 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 i go to kroger okay 
So you can, well, first, I would not let these grow to any any size. You want to rope-a-dope them. Um, depending on how tall they are now, you probably want to take this first batch down with, like, a machete or... Oh, uh, yeah. Or a bow saw. I can dig them out with a shovel, but there, there are thousands in my front yard. I mean, I've pulled them out. I've tried to mow them over, but nothing will, nothing will kill them. Well, uh, actually, that's not true. Now, what kind of a mower? A uh, riding mower. <laughs> okay. You probably... A riding mower with really sharp blades, you know, once you've got them down to, like, three or four inches tall, um, should be able to take care of them. Um, most people will get what's called a brush cutter, which is like uh, uh, a lawnmower on steroids. And it takes down, you know, thick, woody plants. So. Oh, yeah, these are not woody. They're all just like thin green. They're just everywhere. Right. Um, so over the winter, I, I, w I would make an effort to chop down this stuff that's flying high, so to speak. And after that, you're just going to mow the area at the lowest setting once a week. And I want you to mow in the worst possible way. We want to see dirt blowing out the back of the mower. And what you'll do is for them to get high enough to be cut, they have to use energy from the root system. But if they are immediately assassinated, they never get to replenish that. Okay. And eventually, over the course of maybe two, three years, depending on how bad it was, they'll be gone. There'll be a time. Okay. There'll be a time when the final run comes up and it looks like grass. Um, and then, if you really, really want to get even. Um, you're in Cincinnati. I think you should be able to solarize the soil if you want. So after you get them to where they're not coming up again, you would level the soil, saturate it. And I mean saturate it for like 24 hours to where it, it just can't hold any more water. Spread clear plastic over top. Use bricks or stones or boards to hold down the edges and let it cook for an entire season. And that... Like a half acre? Um, well... I mean, it'll kill the grass. I mean, I, I can grind it all up. So it, it's, to... it's... They're coming up out of the grass? Oh, yeah, through the grass. This is like a lawn. Oh, okay. You didn't say that. This is my lawn. <laughs> this is my front lawn. Oh, yeah. No, I'm sorry. This is my front lawn on a, on a sloped lawn. I'd have to kill my whole grass and lawn. What kind of grass? I have no idea. Oh, okay. It's mostly green with some weeds. Um, well, mowing constantly, making sure that they never achieve any size should get rid of them. Otherwise, um, honestly, you'd have to excavate the area and get every, yeah. get everything out of there. And, okay, you so know, keeping it, them as close to the ground as possible is the best thing. Yes, and if you wind up damaging a part of the lawn... Have somebody tell you whether you have a cool season grass or a warm season grass. Hopefully you have a cool season grass, and then you would reseed those areas in late August, early September. Great. Okay? Great. I really appreciate your help.
All right. Well, we appreciate your taking food away from the spotted lantern fly. So, you know. Yes, yes. Works out well yes, in all that. All right. Well, good yep. luck. Good luck. Thank to you. you. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. You guessed it. It is time for the question of the week, which we're calling saving homegrown potatoes for planting or just to store them well. Anyway, Henry in Ambler, PA writes, I harvested Yukon gold potatoes this season and they are delicious. I got some large ones, about three inches in diameter, but also lots of smaller ones. Can I use the smaller ones as seed potatoes next spring? Henry, how can you think about saving potatoes for seed when prime potato eating time, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, comes right on the heels of the harvest? I'm lucky if I can carry any over past January, and I grow a lot of potatoes. Must be the Irish in me. And, of course, you're supposed to start fresh with certified disease-free seed potatoes every season. This is especially true if your potato plants showed any signs of illness and mandatory if any of your tomato plants turned black and died quickly. The sure sign of late blight, a dread disease that crosses between tomatoes and potatoes. You should only try and save seed potatoes if you are certain that they grew in a spot that was tomato-free the previous season. But the answer to your basic use the little ones question is no. In fact, it's the opposite. Tiny taters are the tastiest. They're also the shortest lasting in storage. So they should be used first. The smaller the potato, the less moisture it can contain, and the sooner it will shrivel up and look like feet that have been in the ocean too long. Use your tiny taters ASAP, especially if they are the prized Yukon Gold variety. Those little flavor bombs are lucky if they can make it to Halloween without being eaten at my place. And no, I don't drop tiny potatoes into trick-or-treat bags at Halloween. My neighbors already think I'm, quote, eccentric, my choice of words, not theirs, and such an act would be sure to have mischief night-like consequences. Now, potatoes present an almost unique gardening conundrum. Essentially a storage crop grown to help people get through the winter, they are also one of the only garden delights you've never really tasted, like carrots, until you've eaten a fresh one. You can buy very tasty tomatoes and peppers in season, but you can't buy a truly fresh potato. You have to grow it. Wherever you get them, bury your seed potatoes in loose, light soil in the spring, and then watch the greenery emerge. At some point, a cluster of beautiful flowers will appear at the top of each plant, the flowers reflecting the color of the underground tubers. 
enjoy their vibrancy for a few days. They look like orchid flowers, at least to me. Then remove the flowers to prevent their truly setting seed in the form of a marble-sized green ball where the flowers were. If you get distracted by a bright and shiny object and forget to deflower your spuds, get rid of those balls as soon as you see them. Otherwise, they will form viable seeds inside the pod using energy that should go to the tubers growing below. And yes, you can harvest these seeds after the plant has died back. You'd remove them from the pod, wash them, and pat them dry. But I don't recommend it. It would take years of growing out, harvesting, and replanting to get potatoes of a reasonable size. This activity should be reserved for people who like to push the boundaries, have a lot of extra space and or time on their hands, and or could probably use a second job. But do mark the date you pulled those flowers on a calendar and then count forward three weeks. That's when you should be able to begin harvesting succulent early potatoes, the kind that costs five times as much as full-size potatoes in the supermarket. Otherwise, leave the plants alone until they die back naturally, and then harvest your buried treasures right before your first freeze. This is crucial if you do intend to try and save seed, as the potatoes you select for this purpose must be fully mature, just like the actual seeds of crops like tomatoes. Always be guided by the words fully ripe when attempting to save seed. No matter your intentions, do not wash them. Just brush the dirt off gently and set them out in the open in a cool, dark place away from light for 10 days to two weeks to, quote, cure them, which toughens up the skin and allows them to store better. After that, the instructions are pretty much the same for seed saving and winter storage. Brush them again, looking for any nicks, cuts, bad spots, or patches of green. If damage you find, cut away the bad parts and use the rest of the spud right away. Be especially careful to cut away any green areas, as these parts have become toxic due to direct exposure to sunlight while growing. Store them in a dark, well-ventilated area away from light. Temperatures between 35 and 40 degrees Fahrenheit are ideal. Be sure to check them weekly and discard any that are going bad. Forget rotten apples. Nothing comes close to the horror or stench of a liquefied potato. Come planting time, yeah, you can try using any potatoes with visible eyes for replanting. Luckily for Henry, remember Henry? Yukon Golds are considered some of the best varieties for long-term storage. Well, that sure was an interesting look at the humble spud, now wasn't it? Luckily, you can read this masterpiece over at your leisure or your leisure because the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. Just click the link for the question of the week at our website, 
which is still and will forever be YouBetYourGarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week. Note, the Gardens Alive question of the week will soon move to the Gurney's website. That's G-U-R-N-E-Y-S. Nothing's wrong. The century-old seed catalog that Gurney's produces has been long affiliated with Gardens Alive. And the question of the week wanted to travel. Yikes, my producer is threatening to poach my potatoes if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 888-492-9444 or send us your email, your tired, your poor, your wretched refuse of a question teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. Please, please include your location. Think of it as a Christmas gift to me, cheapskate. You'll find all of our contact information, plus answers to your garden questions, audio of this show, audio and video of previous shows, and links to our internationally renowned podcast. It's all at our website, YouBetYourGarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is an hour-long public radio show and podcast produced and delivered to you every week from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when lightning struck him while he was standing in front of a stack of 1960s comic books while watching the adventures of Superman on a portable TV uh, that weighed around 70 pounds. Our first television set. Dad just picked it up today. Do you have a television? Well, yeah, you know, we have two of them. Wow, you must be rich. Oh, honey, he's teasing you. Nobody has two television sets. <laughs> Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey, and our engineer is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work and ponder pretty pictures of other people's plants at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Our peerless princess of profound production is Teresa Radke. Our audio editor is the always lovely Jonas Bowen. Our mascots are Zach the Taquisneski and Ducky the Dancing Duck. Our beloved and beleaguered CEO is Tim Fallon. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, wishing you a safe, happy, and tryptophan-filled Thanksgiving. And then I'll see you again next week.